0: Welcome to the Milk Bottle E-commerce Show brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, one of the world's top-rated accredited Shopify e-commerce experts. Founder Keith Matthews interviews e-commerce professionals, app developers, and entrepreneurs to share as much digital knowledge and e-commerce tips and tricks as possible. This podcast is kindly supported by our go-to e-commerce tools, rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify, BigCommerce, Trello, and more. Let's just say it's the cheap- Cheapest insurance policy you'll ever get for your Shopify store and all your valuable data. Simply go to rewind.io/milkbottle to get your first month for free. We just love Klaviyo, our preferred automated email solution we use in every store build. No wonder it's trusted by over sixty-five thousand ambitious growing brands worldwide. Find out more on klaviyo.com/milkbottle. Looking for easy accounting for e-commerce? Cinder can relieve you from manual data entry and automatically generate an accurate P&L report, balance sheet and inventory management for your business needs. A few clicks and you'll get access to the key metrics to find the hidden streams of income for your business. Use a coupon code EASYBOOKS for up to 40% off. Check out the show notes for further details.
1: Hey folks, welcome back. Today I am delighted to welcome Matteo Grassi. Matteo is the co-founder of PopUp a no-code e-commerce platform that enables merchants to visually build and control customer journeys. I've known Matteo for quite some time since we began working together while Matteo was on the Shopify Plus team and we worked on some common projects. Aside from that, Matteo is an experienced traveler, he's a tech entrepreneur and he's an e-commerce expert with over 15 years of experience building businesses and he's enjoyed some delightful successes and spectacular failures.
2: I don't think, Matteo, that your failures were spectacular, but how are you? <laughs> no, no, they, they were a bit spectacular, especially some, yeah, in the past. <laughs> no, I'm very good, thanks. Good, good.
1: Great to have you. I have been following you for many years. The majority of it is your, your content on LinkedIn. So it's, it's nice to finally put a face to the name. This interview was actually supposed to be virtual. I was delighted when you mentioned that you're actually going to be in Dublin. So it's great to have you.
2: Yeah, it's nice to meet you in person. I remember you from, you know, the times in Shopify. It's actually nice. It seems such a long time ago. Yeah. But it's actually not. And it makes me realize how much I progressed in my life since, uh, you know, I joined Shopify as a Merchant Success Manager till uh, now, you know, from Vicer Group and now, you know, probably creating an e-commerce platform that uh, will uh, compete with Shopify. I mean, many people say, you know, are you competing with Shopify? We say, mm, we try to be as big as we can, but yeah, in reality, yeah, we, we want we want to do that.
1: Good. Well, listen, before we get into that, and we've loads to talk about, loads of, I mean, your experience first off, um, you were born in Italy. Okay. Yes. So what brought you to Ireland?
2: It was a long story. I I left Italy after I uh, got a degree in uh, psychology. Uh, I worked uh, with uh, autism, kids with autism for a year. Then I realized that's not what I wanted to do. I thought that I wanted to be a dancer at the time. So I moved to New York and got into Broadway dance school and uh, spent about eight months in New York. And I get to meet some very talented Japanese and Koreans. And I realized if I wanted to be a dancer, I had to be at that level. And I realized that was not going to happen. I wanted to see the world and I wanted to do other things, especially because New York, it's like, it's like having a glimpse of what the world is like in one city. You know, I get to eat Chinese food for the first time and, uh, you know, meet people from all over the world because Italy is a beautiful country, but it's still very much traditional and closed off. And, um, and so after that, I moved to, I started traveling actually, not moved to Southeast Asia, And uh, after that, I ended up in Australia because I ran out of money while I was traveling in Southeast Asia. So I need to make some money. And um, I ended up in being in Australia for about uh, five years, for now four years. And at the time I met uh, my wife, my first wife, and uh, she's Irish. And I moved to to Ireland.
1: Ah, That's the connection. That's that's the the, connection. Let's ask a typical Irish question when anybody says
2: Australia. Was it Melbourne or Sydney that you are in? (laughs) I was in Sydney. I was in the northern beaches of Sydney. It was a beautiful, beautiful life. I I lived in front of a beach. Yeah. Um, Do you miss it? I do. I think Australia is one of the most... Beautiful country uh, that I have ever been. Um, I thought after a couple of years living there that I was never going to leave. And on the third year, I was like, no, I, I need, I need to get out. And and this happens to a lot of people because if you you start to feel. Trapped, you know. It's a, it, you realize I'm in an island in the middle of nowhere, yeah. twenty four hours, playing from anything that is familiar to me. And if you're European and you love, you know, history and culture, it's so, not there. It's not there, you know. Yeah. And and the fact that you cannot fly to, you know, you know, a different country with the drinking different, uh, you know, drinks yeah. and eating different food and experiencing something completely different within an hour, an hour and a half, and twenty eight euro. Flight with Ryanair, right? Yeah, the people go over there and they miss the Ryanair factor.
1: I, I lived there for a few years, at a great time, and it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine with what's going on now in the world with you know inflation in every economy. I would say, well, I know I've still friends over there that it has become very very expensive to live over there. Yeah, but like any country, it's got benefits and it's good things and bad things. But ultimately, it is an island. Very is an very island. far away, isn't it?
2: Yes, and and the fact is, it's uh, it's very big, but. It's not. At the end of the day, you have Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, and then you have WA with Perth, which is, I don't know, three hours, four hours flight. So once you get to know the few cities, that's it. And there's not much to do to get out. I mean, you can go to New Zealand, you can go to Bali, like many Australians do. But everything that was familiar to me seemed so far away, and I realized I wanted to live in the in the cultural hub of the world, which uh, I realized was, um, was Europe. And I remember someone telling me, your happiness is actually closer than you think, but you need to travel the world to realise that. And at the time when I was moving back, I realised, oh yeah, that person was right. <laughs> yeah. So after Australia, you came to Ireland? I came to Ireland, yes. But when we spoke before, you mentioned, was it a trip to India? The trip to India went, uh, no, was in oh, it was in 2016. Oh, more, more recent, yeah. Yeah, it was just before I joined Shopify and I spent a couple of months, couple of months in India. Very good, very good. In an ashram. Explain. Explain. Uh, yeah, I, I I, wanted to, I met someone that had this experience in this ashram uh, called uh, Amritapuri, which is uh, um, the ashram run by Amma, which is the Amma the Guru, the hugging saint. Okay. And I'm not a very spiritual person. I've never done anything like that. But, the, you know, this guy said, look, you, you have to do it. And I know I have this type of personality that, if I think, oh, that's something that I would do, I just do it. I don't think about it. But you strike me as somebody that, if you if you tried something, that you'd
1: put a hundred percent into it. Like yes. You weren't you weren't just dosing for three or four months.
2: No, no, no. I, I went in full on, and I tried to, you know, get into the whole life inside the ashram of you know. I was meditating every day, waking up at five a.m. Uh, was doing my seva, which is this uh, type of work that you do that you helps you to ease out into me- ease in into meditation. So you do things like, I don't know, I was working in a copy shop and you just basically do the same thing over and over again for like five, six hours. And and this kind of ease you into uh, meditation because your brain is so overwhelmed uh, by everything that uh, you experience in a normal world. And when you go into an ashram, you cannot just get in and meditate. So by doing this kind of repetitive work allows you to to ease it in. And I spent a month there um, getting into to know the people, and I realized, you know, I took the, the good things and I realized what was the negative things, I guess, of living in an ashram. And I left and uh, and the shock for me was going back to Ireland after India. I didn't have a shock going into India. It was a shock coming back. Was it because the, 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 I,
1: because Ireland was kind of a, a developed country with... Privilege and with services, and you left a country maybe that where there was more people impoverished.
2: Um, what, what, what
1: do you think was the reason for that shock?
2: I think it's because like India is so different from anything that you experience, especially when you go off the beaten path. And the ashram life, it, it is a it's, it is like a commune. So once you enter inside the dynamics of that, you 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 are living in a community of people that they're all very very similar, but they are all very very different from the normality of uh, of a day-to-day life you know you you wake up you you eat at a certain time all the time you don't have to cook and then you just you know you just meditate and you attend these uh, seminars and you just enter in this type of dynamic that when you come back to just you know driving a car and work and jobs it's it's just so different from everything that uh, that you experience
1: yeah i had a similar experience i spent some time in haiti in two, oh, yes. 2012, which uh, is one of the only fourth world countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Dry rivers, deforested forests, you know. I was then, I then moved back to Bermuda, which would be one of the highest per capita income rated countries according to the US CSO. And it was, it was a shock, an absolute shock to go from being around people with zero to being around people with too much. Mm. and being around privilege but I think that's the benefit of travel which is exactly what you just said somebody mentioned to you that happiness is closer than you think but you have to go around the world to realize how close it is which is the benefit of travel yeah I, I think that unhappiness or that shock maybe is proving that that advice is right really you know
2: yeah and something that we, we always say and it's kind of a motto within pop-up it's uh it's that you know you have to focus on the journey and not much on the destination it is in business and and I think in life, and I think if you travel, you realize that the destination is not important. It's, it's everything that happens that gets you there that actually, yeah, you know, leaves a mark and uh, creates experiences and make you grow as a, as a person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100% great. So
1: when you worked in Shopify, Shopify is now heading for 2 million stores. When you worked there, Mm-hmm. which was what was it 14 15 16
2: yes it? yeah 14, 16 yeah correct So there was
1: probably only 600,000 six, yeah, I would have said 5 600,000 stores yeah. has that
2: experience within shopify has that been of benefit i suppose is the best way to oh, describe oh 100% 100% because I, I started actually as a guru in shopify one of the first people in ireland and then i was the first measurement success manager in europe Wow, yeah yeah, yeah for the, the plus team for the plus team yeah Because Plus was fairly new. Plus came out very, very, uh, like during the time that I started. And they were looking for a Plus Merchant Success Manager in Europe because the team was just uh, in Canada. And uh, I went to training in uh, uh, Toronto. And that's where I met uh, Corey, which is uh, my current business partner. Very good. uh, Yeah, we met in Shopify. And I also met Kate as well, uh, which is my other co-founder. And we all basically met in Shopify. And I think that the main thing that I learned in Shopify is understanding e-commerce from uh, talking to merchants and talking to the the Guru experience was actually amazing because you are in the front line talking to people from all over the world with different experiences, different problems. And then obviously when I started working with Plus, you start talking to uh, European merchants, especially they were trying to tackle things like cross-border commerce or tackling like how do I scale my ads and I did, re- I did learn a lot. And the other thing I learned is how to actually run a successful remote company. Because in terms of remote, Shopify has always been at the forefront of that. And uh, from how to develop culture into in a remote team, how to actually manage time, how to manage interaction within a remote team. I learned so much to the point that after Shopify, when I joined this e-commerce accelerator, was actually that. It was I took the experience in Shopify of running a remote team and trying to grow this company.
1: Mario, at that time, do you think Shopify were working it out as they went along, or were they leading it? Because they were certainly leading it publicly. They hired, I think, four or 500 people in Ireland remotely before most business people even
2: knew they were in the country. They were doing it very quietly. So do you think they did it well? 100%, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that they did well uh, in how to run and uh, um, grow a remote team. There was a big shift when... Um, when they hired the director of support, uh, James James Riordan, I think John Riordan. John. Well, I had John Riordan on on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think there was a shift, and I think it was a positive shift in the company, uh, but it was uh, also a negative shift as well in um, in the within the team. I think what Shopify did badly is like they they created this concept of company as a family instead of creating a company as a sports team and we in pop up we we pride ourselves to creating a company like a sports team not like like a family so just on that then right yeah. so after shopify
1: viceroy mm-hmm. was the agency that you created was that with the two individuals you mentioned that's Kate? correct yeah okay and what did viceroy do because before you get into it
2: mm-hmm.
1: i noticed when you started that you very quickly recruited some really cool dtc brands okay mm-hmm. I wonder how you got to that point, which, I mean, you can explain. But is it correct to say that you saw a gap in the market for the services that these sort of brands required and that started Viceroy? Is that
2: logical? A lot of people think Viceroy was an agency, but we own the brands. Yes, sorry, I use the word loosely. Yeah, um, Because... You were creating the
1: brands yes. and then you were managing it and and building the businesses through Viceroy. Isn't
2: that right? Yeah, we created the brands. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, good, it's good a, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. We created the brands. Um, we started small. We started with one brand, which is actually a headphone store. And we did about 25,000 in profits. And then we took those 25,000 and reinvested into another store. And then the store made I don't know two hundred fifty thousand in profits, and then we invested that, and then that's it. We basically start adding brands on brands after uh, one, one after another. And were you manufacturing yes. your own? Everything was yes. everything was yours. Yes, uh, we we used uh, 3PL, so we didn't have our own uh, uh, fulfillment center. So we used 3PL in uh, United States, uh, UK, and uh, the Netherlands. And we were working with contract manufacturers. So we would basically design the products, uh, you know, creating the mold sometimes and things like this. But we work with third party. Um, for the supplements was uh, the same. We created the formulas uh, together with our partners. And then we were manufacturing in United States. So was it hard? It was. Uh, I think people think it's it's harder. I think people, this was simpler than I thought. But I think it's because myself and Corey and Cage, we've been doing this for a long time. And it's hard if you do it the first time, but I did it before. And the spectacular failures that I did in the past, they taught me how to not to do it. So it was easy for us to do it because we had so much knowledge. So when people say, I always say, Vice we started with zero and we went to 40 million in revenue, which is true. But I need to define what zero is. It was zero money. I mean, we we put thousand dollars, right? That was the initial investment that we put, but we had so much. I had all the contacts from the three PL. I had, you know, we we created supplements before. Corey had um, had a nutraceutical brand before. He was in Africa for four years selling nutraceuticals. So it's there was so much knowledge that we had that for us was like, okay, let's do this. That's, it took us a month. You, you know? you, you've made a really good point because everybody attributes the number
1: of sales to yeah. success, but in actual fact, you had the ingredients which were more than likely the right ingredients in terms of your own experiences. Yeah. And you also, at a very young age, you got access to fast-growing brands through your experience in Shopify. Correct. And you probably can't put a number on that. Is that. Would that be right? You
2: can't. And I was hearing, there was a, a controversial thing that uh, Kim Kardashian came out very recently, and he was like, I don't understand why women don't work that hard and things like that. And one thing, my criticism to that was like, you have to understand that you cannot say that you are, I'm not arguing with Kim Kardashian that she's not working hard, but she's been lucky to be in a privileged position. It's not about money. It's about networking, right? You come from money, but also you come from networking. You know the right people. You get going from zero to one, it's very, very easy. And going from zero to one is hard the hardest thing for most people. Yeah. Once you're there, and it's going from one to two to three, it's much easier. It's, it's that first step. And for the
1: listeners, Kim Kardashian's Skims clothing store is on Shopify and her sister's store, Kylie Cosmetics, mm-hmm. is one of the most successful stores on Shopify. It's funny you mentioned her because there was a... I can't think of the guy. He's very popular on Twitter and I think he has a deodorant brand. I can't quite think of his name, but... He put out a tweet, you know. I think it could have been a year ago that everybody should be very proud of Kim Kardashian and her e-commerce success. <laughs> I'm looking at her going, do you, "Do you know who her daddy was? You know, I do you know who her like, mommy was? Like, I mean, they've they were privileged people. They've certainly turned privilege into more success.
2: 100. I'm not saying that they didn't work hard. Yeah, which, or, uh, which or 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 Kylie did uh, yeah, did a fantastic job on the branding. And yeah. they didn't. And to me, they were good not to screw up what they yeah. had, like many people did. Yeah. But we have to acknowledge that there is luck, right? There <laughs> yeah. is luck as well, you know? In- interesting, Sedgway,
1: actually. Um, and just for the listeners and for yourself, I'm not obsessed with Kim Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and she's on it. But I, I uh, have a very good friend in New York who's, a, who's very good to me. And I can't say his name because I think this conversation was under NDA. But he told me one time on a Zoom call during the lockdown that he had a very, very famous client yeah. on Shopify. And the last time he called her, she just told him to hold on for 30 seconds because she was driving her Bentley into the lift of her garage. (laughs) (laughs) And he wouldn't tell me which one it was, but it was either Kim or Kylie. So, you know, I I, I don't have any clients like that, but uh, interesting wealth, you know. But to go back to the point, I think you're dead right. The monetary value of the investment is not necessarily the check that you're right. There has to be the knowledge of your two former Shopify employees and your... And of course, yourself, so of that's 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 an important point. So before we get off, VoiceRoy, VoiceRoy is still there, isn't that right? Hundred percent, yes, yeah. Uh, still a team and still managing successful brands, is that right?
2: Yeah, correct. I think is uh, it changed a lot from uh, you know since uh, January last last year, January February when you know the iOS fourteen fifteen had kind of crushed uh, acquisition in terms of uh, you know advertising and everyone experienced that. The brands were quite new, so it was harder for a new brand really focusing on retention. But uh, the team managed, so less revenue. The team is a bit smaller, but uh, the profitability is still there. And I think it's actually this business model I like it. You know, I prefer making less money with a smaller team higher and margin. focusing on our margin. Yeah. Correct, because at the end of the day, you know, you see e-commerce brand all the time. Oh, he made twenty million. Yeah, well, what was the profit? Exactly, yeah. you know, twenty yeah. million, but maybe they did five percent profit. Yeah. So, it's you moving a lot of money, but at the end of the day, nothing remains. And moving a lot of money requires a lot of work because you imagine more people, the fees. It's just not as sustainable as running something smaller. I think. Yeah.
1: And I, I have friends who run businesses, and they measure the success based on turnover. No. And it's, yeah, and it's 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 that's actually a vanity metric because it's really irrelevant. I mean, it's obviously going to be a high number. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's, and it's interesting as well the, we were talking earlier on before I pressed record about the amount of people if you tell them that you're doing your own gig first thing they ask you is how many staff have you got so straight away the staff yes. is a measurement of your success when that's absolutely irrelevant I've mentioned a book called The Company of One anybody anybody listening it's, it's worth actually reading where and it could be Paul Jarvis and he basically explains that you don't have to have a thousand people to have your own entity or your own successful company yeah. you can actually do it on your own Just one second and we will hear from our sponsors. Rewind.io is the leading backup solution for your Shopify store. Did you know that there's no way of recovering lost data? If your store is gaining traction, app developers or multiple staff may enter your store, and there's absolutely no way of fixing human error. Rewind.io allows you to rewind your store back to its original state, so you can reduce your business risk immediately with the Rewind app. It's so easy and is the cheapest and best insurance policy you'll ever need for your Shopify store. Get your first month for free by simply replying to your first email from Rewind and mention this podcast. Now, regular listeners will know I love Clavio. It's the single biggest revenue generator I've ever seen across hundreds and hundreds of Shopify stores I've been in. Clavio's data-driven marketing automation platform is sophisticated enough to power those legendary campaigns from the big brands you admire, but they make it simple, they make it easy, and they make it fast. To get started with a free trial of Clavio, visit Clavio.com forward slash milkbottle. That's clavio.com forward slash milkbottle. Now, the no code commerce platform. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Yeah. I am all ears. <laughs> and for the listeners, this started out as a Shopify podcast, and the people I interview are Shopify related, but an actual fact. It's for everything. And, and yours is very, very relevant to the general e-commerce world and to Shopify customers who could potentially be your customer in the future. So give us the pitch deck.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, we we are merchants. So we started the merchants with Viceroy. And before that, uh, you know, we ran our own stores. And that's myself, Corey, in case. And when we were running Viceroy Group, we, we were trying to adapt to the ever-evolving e-commerce uh, landscape. We were trying to do things like, I don't know, launching native ads, right? Or, you know, trying different uh, Facebook campaigns with uh, different landing pages, launching different countries. We were trying to be as competitive as as we could be. But we started to notice that a lot of things that we're trying to do were confined to a blueprint that has not changed since the 90s. So if you think about Shopify or WooCommerce or Magento, They're all based on a blueprint that started in the 90s with Yahoo store. So they take that blueprint, which is a homepage, a product page, a cart and a checkout, and then that's it. That's that's the blueprint you use. If you want to do something else, you need to use apps. Once you start using apps, you start overcomplicating things, you know, and maybe 10, 12 years ago, a blueprint was enough. But today e-commerce has been evolving a lot so you have uh, native ads you have live streaming and you have basically all these things that you want to do that you cannot just rely on apps because your data is fragmented so we realize that what merchants are trying to do merchants are trying to actually build customer journeys and a customer journey can be a page a lead page that goes into a sales page that goes to a checkout and then is redirected maybe to a youtube stream a customer journey can be a live stream that goes into a checkout and based on the order value, it can be redirected to another live stream, like a private live stream with a celebrity or an influencer or to a checkout. And so we decided to give the ability to merchants to build their own blueprint, no codes, with a visual customer journey builder. That's kind of it. Okay, so is there a specific
1: type of customer that you're targeting? Because originally when Shopify started and when Shopify, I remember back in like, ten eleven, their promotional videos were these beautiful, beautifully shot videos with these artisan producers of, you know, mm-hmm. handmade gifts and of know, candles. And then suddenly they obviously they grew and they scaled. And I always thought that their vision, the kind of depth of Toby's vision to actually try and create something that would be something to everybody, mm-hmm. was actually quite ambitious. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific vertical or type of customer that you're after with pop up?
2: Yeah, pop up is very flexible. So we, One of the taglines is a, a platform as flexible as you are, and it is an end-to-end e-commerce platform, so it doesn't have to live on top of uh, Shopify or any other platform. So it has a checkout, order management, cost, consumer management uh, customer management, etc. But one thing that we noticed in Shopify was that migration is one of the biggest pain points. So we architected the platform in a way that you can use it instead of Shopify if you want, or you can use it in conjunction with Shopify by uh, an order sync. And this is the thing that you see a lot with brands that have, let's say, a large catalog. So I would say pop-up is not a great fit if you have thousands of products. Because if you have thousands of products, you want the browsing experience. You don't want to create a customer journey. You don't want to create a sales funnel. Someone calls them sales funnel or marketing funnel. Uh, you want people to come into your store and browse as much as they can, but what about the one-to-one collaboration with influencer? What about the uh, Facebook campaigns when you want to, you know, split test different audiences and have uh, a different uh, homepage based on uh, your ad set? What about maybe doing native ads where you don't send people to a product page? You have to send them to an infomercial, then going into the product page and getting to a checkout. That's where pop-up comes in. So you can use your Shopify store, your Magento demandware, and you can use pop-up on the site. And this is why the. This is the reason why we call the platform pop-up. Very much like a pop-up store.
1: Now it makes sense. Yeah. So you're giving people the ability to basically add value to a current store and allow those kind of relatively complicated functions like, you know, native ads and, you know, within as well. And and do it, as you say, with no code. Yes. Yeah. So the individual that manages that
2: store, do they still need to be technical? No. No technicality? It's like um, you would be able to build a customer journey And placing the elements within a visual builder, very much like you see it on a platform like ManyChat or um, a lot of these email marketing platforms use this type of uh, structure to build in conversational flows. So you're going to be able to build these um, flows in the customer journey without any code, placing the elements, and then you have an editor that allows you to edit the front end. What we did as well, we created our own front-end architecture that allows not to be relying on uh, themes, which means you're going to have a library of sections, just like uh, Shopify, but instead of uh, being confined to a, to a theme that if you want to change the section, you have to hire a developer, you have a library that will keep on adding different sections. So you can pick your header, you can pick your product feature, you can pick your, pick your review section and choose by four or five different ones. That's funny that you say that because at Milk Bottle
1: we we build that library of of sections. Yeah. Very good. So basically what you're saying is you're going to be putting us out of a job if if you're successful.
2: No, I don't think, I don't think, (laughs) look, I I love Shopify. I say say that in jest. No, I think, (laughs) I think the big vision is that the future is going to be the online store, and hopefully, Shopify is going to be relevant and then pop up. And we're going to be the only one, well, until someone copies us, of course. But, um, well, I, I always say that there's always room
1: for a competitor, and competition is actually healthy,
2: yeah, of course,
1: um, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the stage that you are at, you mentioned earlier on when we met beforehand that you had run
2: alpha and beta tests, was it? Yeah, we did. An, uh, on during the summer and uh, we got great feedback and we realized that we needed to change our journey builder and make it more, not complex, but more like our merchants wanted. And we came up with this con- the concept called entry points and entry points are like doors into your store. So initial journey builder has one entry point. The new journey builder has multiple entry points. An entry point can be a lead page, a homepage, but an entry point is going to be as well a live stream. So you can have uh, different ways of getting people into your site and giving this type of shopping experience. So instead of just creating an online store, you create a shopping experience. And we're going into beta now, like the proper beta with the new journey builder in about a week. So we have selected already 20 to 30 different merchants. Some are on Shopify, some are from WooCommerce, some are creators and some are small brands and some are large brands. So we want to basically work with a different portfolio of uh, merchants And they're going to work with us for during the spring and the summertime and hopefully opening up the platform to everyone in September, October, November with a nice 90-day free trial to scale up during the Christmas time and the busy times for e-commerce. Fantastic. Well done.
1: I'm delighted that I'm speaking to you now yes. because the listeners will hopefully follow and watch. And I'm assuming that we can sign up and be alerted when everything goes live. Is that right?
2: 100%. Yeah, you can sign up on the wait list. But uh, since the beta is well, you're going to be able to sign up as well for the beta. And um, we are going to have calls with people that sign up to see if they would be a good fit for the beta and get them in straight away if, uh, if they want to. Okay. Okay. That's great.
1: Now, before we go... You're involved in a charity and uh, it's connected to the Ukraine. Yes. And it's called commerceforgood.org. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when reflect in a year's time on the situation in the Ukraine, I think a lot of charities may have wasted money. A lot of mm-hmm. charities may have done the wrong thing. And I think what you're doing through commerceforgood.org is, I think clever is the wrong word, but it's utilizing assets that are, and people that are already there. Yes. So can you explain to the listeners exactly what you're doing through Commerce
2: for Good? Yeah, so... Commerce for Good started because I live in Kiev most of most of the time. So, like uh, my my daughter is here, but I go back and forth from uh, Ukraine to here because my wife is Ukrainian, and uh, and I love I love the city. So for me, it's been very personal. When uh, when the war started, I was actually there ten days before the war started. Uh, I came back to Ireland because my daughter uh, wasn't feeling great, so we had to come back. Otherwise, I probably would have been still there. Just on that then.
1: At that point, 10 Mm -hmm. days before, was it the same as here? People just thought that it was just rumours and it was just...
2: uh... I'm going to send you a... uh, I was actually there to interview an e-commerce for for our show. Uh, Papa, we're having the Infinite Journey show. I was having a chat with an e-commerce with the merchants over there about her story. And that was filmed 10 days before. You can see Normality, myself and her having a chat. I was having dinner out and... Literally, no one would have thought he's not going to attack. He's not going to we'll, attack. We'll place the link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So what happened wh- when the war started? Um, a lot of our friends were starting to kind of ask us, "Hey, can you can you help here? Can you help there? We need this and we need that." And we, we realized that we could because we had work with with Visor Group, especially we had a huge portfolio of uh, suppliers from you know our you know experience in e-commerce. We had suppliers in Italy, Vietnam, uh, China, India. Uh, in different in different areas, and moreover, we had already one or two people in our team that they were sourcing products for us, and that's what their job—just scouting people and sourcing products. And so, what we did, we we started to collect collecting uh, requests from people on the ground, and uh, we then found a, an entry point in um, uh, Romania via uh, these volunteers that are basically using a Romanian warehouse and running charters in the country. To deliver the goods. And this is the difference with UNICEF or Red Cross. People don't realize, but UNICEF and Red Cross, people that work for UNICEF and Red Cross, they are paid and they're not going to risk their life to deliver things on the ground. This is why there's all this money going into the large organization. But then when you actually speak to you know, people on the ground, they're missing the basic needs. And so this is where we, start, we, we came in. We came in to fill up that gap. So we start buying things like. Um we bought the first thing we bought was radios. We bought like five hundred radio for the territorial defense in Kiev, because you know, the, the territorial defense needed to communicate with each other. And then we had the opportunity to start working with a network of volunteers, and we have about 30 right now that are delivering foods and medicine to old people and disabled people, which are kind of forgotten in, in all of this. If you're old, if you're disabled, you can't leave the house because there are currently air raids. There is food in the country. It's not that the supermarkets are empty. You know, it's not that people are experiencing famine right now, but they cannot go buy it. Or you cannot go to the pharmacy to actually get some medicine. So the volunteers that are in those cities and that are doing the deliveries, they're just members of the public? They're members of the public, yeah. yeah. And they're risking their life every day. And they're people that, you know, they, they had the job and they're just helping out. So what we do, we finance them. Yeah. We give them money for petrol. We give them money for for uh, for the shopping. We give them money for for the medicine. Um, because uh, we have, a, I have a bank account in Ukraine, I can send money to my bank account within uh, 30 seconds and then my Ukrainian bank account can send money to the volunteer straight away.
1: Just on that, uh, kind of a technology question. I heard that the Ukraine and its government's use of technology in terms of banking is second to none. Is that right? Everything is basically digital or electronic?
2: Correct, yeah. That- so there is a Ministry of Digital Transformation It's called DIA and uh, they built an app that uh, has everything is uh, digitalized. So your passport... You pay your bills online and everything else. And also you have fintech like Monobank that uh, it allows this type of uh, quick payments via QR codes as well. Give an example you go eat in a restaurant you you sit down in a, in a cafe there is a QR code you scan it you order from the menu and then when there's moment to pay you scan it again it reads what you got you pay and then you leave you don't need, you don't need even to go at the till so they're probably 20 30 years ahead of most European countries 100 percent yes yeah. that's why I love Ukraine because it's, yeah. it's a young government and you can see like uh, Mikali the the minister of digital transformation how we rallied up you know Elon Musk and all of this yeah these are guys our age. Yeah, you know, it's like they're not old people. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very, very young. All the yeah. team of uh, of Zelensky, of the president, they're all very young.
1: But that makes it harder then for you, with such a connection to the country, to watch what's going on. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So the volunteers on the ground mm-hmm. are they able to get around?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're under, uh, we we got them bulletproof vests as well, so we were able to get uh, some uh, some protection gear, and then uh, they get orders every day. Uh, we send the money. We send the money over. And then on the other side then we, we buy we work with uh you know requests on the ground to outsource different things that uh are uh, hard to find such as like radios uh thermoscanner images and things like that. One thing that we've been doing is at the beginning it was very easy to raise money, raise funds because I had a network of people and the initial cash intake was easy to get. But once that was exhausted it started to get a little bit hard. So what we did we launched a store with uh Oh, on Shopify for the moment, but it's going to be on pop-up, on pop-up next, up. next yeah. week. Yeah. Um, it's a, It was actually a pop-up store. Very last time was a pop-up well, store. Will you make sure and sh- share the links?
1: Yeah, And yeah. we put them in the show notes. Yeah,
2: it's called Artists for Good. Uh, and what we did, we, we had about 10 different creators and artists and influencers. And they did prints. And then in partnership with Printful, we yeah. launched a print store. Ah. And then we contacted like three or four influencer agency and the influencers started to do this for free. Wow. So we did about $15,000 in uh, two or three days. And uh, now we are, we start actually launching some Facebook ads with the four rows, So amazing. Yeah. So now we're trying to basically do that. And all the profits go to obviously commerce for goods uh to then uh buy all this uh, all this humanitarian needs.
1: Well done. Well done. That's fantastic. And I've always admired the guys that run Printful. Are they they're in Latvia. Do, do they have staff in the Ukraine anymore? they probably do? do
2: they? Yeah, they're very connected. They they are doing a lot of things on uh, in terms of PR uh yeah. with, with Ukraine. So for us, I mean it was it was literally creating a store and uh, they are just shipping. I wouldn't say it was a partnership that they did uh special favors or anything like that, but um but they, because they said, we're already doing a lot. So okay, they're, and they're, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, the thing yeah, too, that's fair enough. They're yeah. probably
1: being contacted by multiple different people. Yes. Matteo, thank you so much for your time. I've had some really interesting people in here, but I can tell you one thing. <laughs> There's very few of them have travelled around the world like you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, your knowledge of e-commerce as it is, is fantastic, but also your plans for pop-up mean that you will probably have a big influence on possibly changing the e-commerce landscape so
2: yeah 100% I, you
1: know I, I just want to thank you uh, for, for taking the time delighted it was face to face actually yeah oh, me too totally it was delighted. very nice yeah. yeah and we will share the links that you spoke about in the show notes and anything else that we can do in the future on the socials or on an email you know let's just stay in touch thanks
0: thanks for listening all of our episodes are available on Spotify iTunes and Google Podcasts a special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify and big commerce store owners. Get your first month free by responding to your welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. Cinder is worth considering for your e-commerce accounting and reporting needs. Use a coupon code EASYBOOKS for up to 40% off. Clavio, which helps e-commerce brands easily create personalized multi-channel marketing campaigns using your most powerful asset, your customer data. To get started with a free trial of Clavio, visit clavio.com slash milkbottle. That's klaviy dot com slash milkbottle. If you're a Shopify user with an exciting story to tell, reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com.